Accomplishment Coaching is proud to present the following fine programming. Accomplishment Coaching, where coaches lead and leaders coach. AccomplishmentCoaching.com. Welcome to Heart Empowered Women Radio with your host, Clarice Connolly. Hello and welcome to the most excited I've been about an episode you can ever experience. I'm your hostess, Clarice Connolly, and I'm a women's empowerment coach. And my intention for my podcasts are to really kind of create this intimate and raw and vulnerable space so that you can, you know, hear women's stories who are out living an empowered life and living from their heart. And maybe their story isn't your story, or maybe the thing that is the topic of discussion isn't exactly what's happening for you. But it's like, how can you take what we talk about, what we jump into and what we are sharing and apply it, you know, apply it to your life, apply it to your family's life, apply it to your friends, and really just kind of create awareness, create awareness, stimulate kind of conversation and, and really plant these seeds for possibilities. And this episode, the last one of the year, is going to be nothing short of that. Um, I've I've got this beautiful introduction, so I'm just going to jump in. So my guest for today is Janelle Marie Pierce, and she is the executive director of the stdproject.com. She's the founder of the Herpes Activist Network, Hands, the spokesperson for positivesingles.com, and a tri-chair of the Communications Action Group at the National Coalition for Sexual Health. Current bylines can be found in Self, HepatitisC.net, Kinkley, Pornhub's Sexual Wellness Center, ExoJane, and Allure. For fun, Janelle stays active as group fitness instructor and also spends time camping, snowshoeing, hiking, skiing, kayaking, growing things, running through sprinklers, and building sandcastles. Welcome to the air, Janelle. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Yes. Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time it is that you are listening, <laughs> so on and so forth. It's so cool that this is the last one of the year. I feel honored. I'm, I'm very grateful for oh, this, and I love that. My like, let's ring in the new year this way. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, you know, whether you've been listening a long time or this is your first time listening, I started podcasting two years ago and, you know, really found my voice and was like, whoa, I can share myself and people listen, and this is great and it's such a platform. And I started this podcast with like the conversations people aren't having and that I wanted to cultivate and create more of and, you know, from things to boundary setting and healthy confrontation to, you know, what is having a container look like? What is fighting bipolar? What is fighting bulimia? Right. Like and this you know, along my journey, I've found my voice about having herpes and my story and sharing it and having conversation and, you know, reaching out and connecting to people that are doing the same. And you are, you know, like such an inspiration to me because I have this like vision of like, here's all the things I want to do. And then I meet you online and I'm like, oh my God, she's already doing them. This is great. So I want to just like jump in like and normalize you as a human being having a human experience like what has your experience been about contracting herpes or contracting you know what you've been working with to get you to this point and like let's just jump in well first i, I just want to like at least acknowledge what you just said and that um 
I think it's, it's, I mean, thank you for saying that I'm inspirational or that you found positivity through my work, but I think it's also super important. Like, even if I'm like, yes, I've been doing this for seven years now. Mm -hmm. So I have a podcast and a YouTube channel and not everything is actually in super development. Like some things I'm still working on and growing myself, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, and the website and the activism and all of these things, but it's like, there is so much space and necessity for everyone, multiple people, yourself included to be doing even similar things like mm-hmm. like you you're already doing a podcast and talking about things um conversations just like this that people don't often have or don't mm-hmm. feel safe to have in in open spaces or between even people that they're even comfortable with the loved right. ones and friends and family and whatever so like i think that it's always it's super important to to point out that everyone's voice is unique and mm-hmm. beneficial to the conversation and helps add color and mm-hmm. helps shape and and, and and our perspectives are all very important. So like we could all have a YouTube channel and they would all add value in something yeah, different no and unique, what. you know? So mm-hmm. like, I think that's awesome. I'm super excited to see that you're doing similar work and, and working on can, can, continuing to do that work and expand it. So rock on sister, but, um, okay. Yeah. So you asked a question and now I totally forgot. No, it's was. good. Thank you so <laughs> much for the acknowledgement. Um, I love it and adore it. Thank you so much. And yeah, like that's the thing is, you know, how can you as a listener, as you're t- starting to jump in and start to listen, you know, take that baby step, right? Like mine, I've literally have gone public the last nine months, 10 months. Right. And this is my journey, you know? And so Janelle, you've, you're going on seven years, right? So it's like, how can you find yourself in between there? Or maybe you're one week, right? And maybe it's not even an STD. Like maybe it's actually, you know, body shame or some sort of other stigma that you're working through, whether it's your sexuality or whatever it is, right? Like I want to make this as open as possible, but also like this is our experience. And so my question was, is like, how has your journey been? You know, how did you contract it? What was your experience? And like, what's the kind of synopsis journey of how you've gotten to where you're at today? Oh, let me see if I can do that in an abridged, somewhat succinct. I'm I'm known for being um, a little oh, girl, bit wordy. Me so, too. <laughs> hey, um, okay. So I'm 36 now, and I've had herpes for 20 years. I contracted it when I was 16, and um, I was diagnosed by my general practitioner at the time, who shamed me. The experience was really awful. I was not provided resources or just information <sighs> or even empathy of what of of any sort whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, I was told that my outbreak and my herpes was the worst he had ever seen. And here's your Valtrex prescription and there's the door. I mean, that's, that is truly the, um, the tempo and what was offered to me. And so of course I bawled oh. and bawled on the way home. My mother had taken me to the appointment and, um, I don't remember this part, but she, reiterates that um, when she tells the story, she says that all I said all the way home was no one will ever love me again. And how will Mm. I ever, how will I ever have, have someone and meet someone and no one is Mm. going to want me. And like this just poured out of me because all of the stigma and misconceptions, Mm -hmm. the, the misinformation, the very little that I had known and heard all came in and flooded into my, my present, my, my current conscious. And I thought that that was true about me. And not only did I have herpes, but according to the doctor, I had like the worst herpes. And, you know, Mm. the first outbreak, if you get outbreaks is always, is always the worst. And then they subside and, um, they still may be 
noxious and slightly uncomfortable and things. I mean, they're not desirable whatsoever, but they usually kind of subside in terms of their duration, severity and and stuff like that. So yeah, so awful. Um, And it took me many, many years to get to the place I am now. Um, And I think that that's also important to recognize, like, it for me, I finally decided like I needed to do something. I actually all my formal education, my undergrad and graduate degrees are in um, honors accountancy. So I was an accountant for a big four accounting firm. And then for one of the fortune 500 companies, fortune 300 in the top 300, like super making tons of money and doing really great. But I just didn't feel fulfilled. I was working 70 hours per week. Mm -hmm. And I felt like there was something else I could be doing. Mm -hmm. And it just dawned on me actually one night over beers with my boyfriend at the time. And I'm like, I think I want to do this. Oh, you know, and what actually what stemmed this is I was performing in the vagina monologues with my alma mater with um, my graduating folks from my university and one woman in particular, she's just, she's an awesome, amazing individual and is a friend of mine now to this day since, since that performance, but she came out and shared her experience, um, being a sexual assault survivor. Mm -hmm. And I was just so inspired by her authenticity, by her courage and, and bravery and her owning the experience. And she Mm -hmm. did like a spoken word poem and it was just beautiful. And I thought, you know what? it's time. Like Mm -hmm. I need to, I basically need to take this under my own wing and and own it because I had felt for so long, like people could use it against me. You know, there was so much Mm -hmm. in terms of like, you know, even before this. So that was in my mid twenties, mid to late twenties. But I, I was shamed by best friends in high school and I was like the butt of all jokes. And I mean, I really had a, a multitude of traumatic and awful experiences mm-hmm. as a result of this. And, and even when I would disclose it, um, not to partners, actually, I've never had a partner care whatsoever. I've never had it impact my sex life or my wow. relationships. But in terms of my social, like friends and things like that, like there was really a lot of a lot of stuff that went on that way. So Long story so short, I saw this woman perform alongside me and I was inspired by her and I thought I'm going to basically making your skeletons your armor. And I mm, thought if I came I out that. and was public about this, right. then yes, like then no one no one could use it against me anymore. If I if I owned my my experience and talked about even the things that I did incorrectly or, or the ways in which I handled it poorly. If I talked mm-hmm. about all of that, if we if I addressed the problem, then I could start to help heal that and make that better and help other people and um, you know whatever. So yeah, so I launched. I quit my job as an accountant, launched the STD project, and I've been doing that now for the last seven years ever since. Here I, I am. I love that. Thank you so much. And that was a great uh, Cliff Notes version. I'm just gonna. <laughs> I'm just going to acknowledge you for that. I think I can only get mine under 20 minutes, but that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and I, and I want to like, you know, really just point out to the, like the normalization of like that. It's, uh, it's, it's definitely an up and down kind of journey. Like, it's not just like you get this and life's great, right? Like you have your highs, you have your lows and everything in between. And I, I love the like honesty of like the ways that you could have done it better, the ways that you, you know, got to be with your own humanity. And I think that that's something, you know, I can say that I've experienced myself too, of like, you know, having the struggle of having the conversation or being afraid of being rejected and really definitely feeling like you'll never be loved again. I had can a hundred percent identify with that. And I think that that's like my, my intention is just to put this all on loudspeaker and just kind of 
have you listen and be like, hey, you know those thoughts that because you got this or because you maybe had another form of an STD or, you know, some order being a sexual assault um, survivor, you know, it's we internalize it. We internalize the shame. We internalize this like this happened to me on purpose or I deserve this. And and I want to be here and stand tall and tell you that's not true. Like uh-huh. we all hear that. And, you know, it is the social stigma. It is the fact that we create this skin irritation into something so much more intense than it actually really is on like a scientific level. Oh my gosh. It's so overblown. I mean, when I, I get that question all the time, like, Mm -hmm. will I ever be able to have a sex life or will my sex life be able to be the same? Or, um, you know, like I enjoy casual sex or I just want to have a healthy relationship and sex life or whatever, you know, however that, that transpires for each individual, everyone's always shocked when they hear like, I have not had a single rejection as a result. Now I didn't always disclose initially. I actually screwed that up and was doing some unethical behavior and not disclosing until after there had already been Mm -hmm. exposure, intimate relations and, and things like that. And that was really truly a product of I didn't know how I was absolutely petrified of rejection, like you mentioned. And it's like, you know, I get that that's 100% wrong and not okay to do. And I was truly putting other people's at risk without their or or sexual health at risk without their Mm -hmm. consent or their health in general. Um, And but I'm, I'm again, it's like, you know, if you don't talk about it and acknowledge that this happens and it happens, I initially put out like these STD interviews that people can fill out anonymously. And we have mm-hmm. over 300 interviews and wow. more than half of them um, are, ta- are people talking about the same thing, saying that they also didn't initially um, know how to have that conversation. And there were people that they had put at risk, whether it's one person or multiple people mm-hmm. or whatever. And then they again, it's I think it's because. I've created a safe space to where it's like, I'm not going to condemn you all to hell and say you're awful humans because we can do bad things and make mistakes and something that can't even be really awful without being awful and whole, you know, like we, that's Mm -hmm. how we learn. And that's like you said, it's a part of our humanity. So I think that, and we get so scared about rejection and Mm -hmm. nobody wants to be rejected. We all just want to be understood Mm -hmm. and, and, and feel, and feel a community feel accepted Um, and, and that's, and that's a part of this is just acknowledging that this is a struggle and it's a product of a lot of systemic and culturally intersectional Mm -hmm. things that have led us to this point. So let's slowly start to erode them one conversation at a time, normalizing it, making it not, not that it's, we all want to like sign up for herpes or any other STI because I've had others too. Like I ended up contracting scabies and I've had HPV. So I've had multiple STDs, Mm -hmm. um, which is like who really admits to that out loud, but that's not unusual. That's actually no, not as unusual not. as you think it is. Right. So, I mean, you know, but if you don't talk about it and say like, this is the experience, you can't learn anything from it. If we're all just right. hiding in a closet, mm-hmm. um, you know, to use kind of a, a saying that's used in the LGBT community. And, and, and then I should also use, say this with the caveat that helping and advocating and being an activist and coming out um, or sharing your status, I should say, is different for everyone. It Mm -hmm. takes different forms and shapes and you don't all have to be like public. Like if you had a shared experience, it can just be a conversation between yourself and a partner. It can, Mm -hmm. that can be the very start, the gateway, um, even a conversation in your own head with yourself of saying like, how does this stigma match up to how I feel about myself? And is this really true of my identity or is, are all of these things, they don't make any sense. And that's kind of where I finally came to this 
full circle realization. I was like, all of the misconceptions, the things that I'm told about myself, I'm a slut, I'm a whore, I'm dirty, damaged goods, trashy, um, you know, the, the list goes on and on and on. I thought, actually, that's not how I really feel about myself at all, nor have my partners felt that. Right. And now my closest friends and family in this amazing community and network that I've established over years of cultivating healthy relationships, no one agrees with that. So why is this that I'm still mm -hmm. thinking along these lines in my head? And I'm like, no, I just need to trash these misconceptions and then work to try and figure out where they come from, where they originate from, why they still exist and why they're perpetuated. And so sometimes it's just having that initial conversation with yourself. That's the start. And then mm -hmm. that can grow. And maybe that means you might never be like a public persona sharing your right. status on social media and stuff. And that's okay, though, because mm -hmm. advocacy takes so many forms. So it's still powerful. It's still important. Even those one conversation at a time helps to change our perspective and helps to impact how people perceive things. So that's all super relevant and very, and very important. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that, too, because it's like, there's like the external part of it. And then it's like, in my experience, you know, it's like, my dad slut shamed me at like 16 for having too many male friends. And all of a sudden it was like, no more male friends. No, you know what I mean? Like abstinence, never gonna, not gonna. And it's just like turned this huge story into my identity. And then it's like, then all of a sudden, you know, I need to be perfect because love is earned. And the only way that I can repay whoever I'm with is if I sleep with them. And, and, and this like all these narrations mm. and then you get herpes and you're like, Boosh, like, hi, I, <laughs> I no longer have anything to offer anyone. I'm defective. I'm imperfect. And who's going to want this? Right. And for me to like actually like stare at it in the face, look at it for what it is for like to actually look at these stories and realize like, whoa, from operating from that place, I'm going to be unhappy no matter what I'm doing, flipping burgers or, you know, waitressing or, you know, making a million dollars. It's this like paradigm in which I'm viewing my world from. And, and unless I create that choice point to change it, you know, you can, you can really notice that it bleeds into everything internal. Everything. So the internal struggle is just like, whoa. So if you're hearing this and you're like, okay, well, I don't want to be on stage and I don't want to have a podcast and I definitely don't want to create articles. Like, how can you see that? Like looking at this in the face or having more conversations with even just friends or whatever the first step is can, can just ease that internal strife. Right? Like, yeah, for me, I'm always like, I like to tell everyone that that you are your own best advocate. Like, mm -hmm. there are advocates and activists out there like myself and like all the members of the Hands, the Herpes Activist Network, which Clarice, I think you should join us. So by the yes. way, I'm going to send you an invitation yes, yes, email yes. after this. But um, I actually just wrote it down on my thing. Like, why haven't I sent you one yet? And <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. But anyway, so that's happening. Anyways, um, where was I going with that? Oh, so yes, there's all these like activists who are doing this work and there needs to be more of yeah. us. However, um, that can be, well, yeah, that can just be a simple conversation and mm -hmm. it's okay to just work on, oh, that's, I'm like, I'm so totally getting sidetracked and I digress with this whole like hands thing. But anyways, where I was really going with this thought process is that we are our own best advocates. So mm -hmm. starting with just educating yourself about um, and, and seeking as many resources as, as possible. So even listening to this mm -hmm. conversation right now is awesome. I mean, that in and of itself is going to help yep. color your narrative Absolutely. and change your perspective internally. And so that's important and powerful. But then also I thought that because I'm an analytical and logical practical kind of person, like I'm a, an optimistic realist is how I like to define myself. Oh, um, I love that. <laughs> So 
I, I find that it was, to me, it was very helpful to understand the origin of stigma, right? Where does mm. this shame um, stem from? And, and it's, and it's multifaceted, but the more I started researching, the more I realized like this is, it's a lot of silly stuff. It's a lot of cultural, um, societal control, like a way in which this puritanical and patriarchal kind of thing that is a way in which to control our behavior, right? Women are supposed to stay celibate until marriage, and then we're only supposed to have sex in the missionary position Mm -hmm. with someone with a penis and only in the vagina and like, you know, all these things that don't even make any sense. And it's just, there's so much shame around sex in general. It's Mm -hmm. so dated, it's antiquated, it's not helpful. It doesn't reflect who we are as humans sexual health and pleasure is a human right and sexual health does not mean absence of infection because the majority of people will contract an STI at some point in their lives Mm -hmm. the majority of sexually active people I should say if you're never sexually active then you're not going to contract an STI but you can contract other infections that can become or can be STIs that are kind of in that gray area kind of like a cold sore, right? That's mm-hmm. herpes. And we mm-hmm. don't care. Nobody cares about cold sores. I mean, so many people have cold sores and everyone's like, oh yeah, no big deal. Yep. I have a cold sore today or mm-hmm. oh, was out in the sun too much or it's the winter time and whatever. But as soon as it's on the genitals, everyone's like, oh my gosh. And you, and you know, and you get these extreme responses and mm-hmm. it's like, I get it. Nobody wants an infection or any sort of skin condition or any sort of issue with your body. You want to be healthy all the time and we take our health for granted. Um, But it doesn't mean you're unhealthy if some of these things happen because some of them are just a product of our human experiences. You know, Mm -hmm. like if you get a cold or the flu, it doesn't mean nobody immediately assumes you're unhealthy as a whole. It just means you contracted something. You were exposed to something and then Mm -hmm. your immune system's working on it and maybe you keep, you know, if it's a virus and you keep it in your system forever or if it's a bacteria and your body clears it or if you need help maybe you need some antibiotics i mean whatever it is it's like we don't shame people when it's regular everyday maladies Um, and we talk about them really casually. I would love that conversation to be a little bit more regular in terms of our sexual health and have it not have this, like this scarce, this fear, you know, that's inherent when you have these conversations. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I literally just had a conversation with someone yesterday. Um, and I would, they just kind of acknowledged me. They're like, you know, in your freedom or like in your openness of talking about herpes, she was like, before I met you, I was terrified about it. Like I, I would, that would be the biggest fear or concern of sleeping with another person. And she's like, you've just had this way of really educating me to the point where I feel like it really wouldn't actually be that big of a deal. And she just was like, I don't really want to go get it. But you know, if I did, you know, you've really kind of had this conversation where there's no emotion in it, where it's not like, ah, you know, this is such an intense thing. And, um, I just, and that's kind of what I see as possible. It's like, you know, I love what you're saying about like, you know, resources are your best friend. And I, I think of all the people that, you know, I've had the conversation with that are kind of just like, well, you go online and there's the ugliest photos you've ever seen. And it's like, yeah, cool. You could Google, right? Like you could do that and see all those photos. But, you know, my first method was like finding an online support group. I was like, dude, meet up. What do we got? You know, and going there to meet other humans of all different shapes, sizes, colors, you know, backgrounds, whatever stories, everything, you know, it was just like, Oh, cool. And like, that was the most normalizing thing I've ever done for myself because it really felt like helped me to feel like not alone. And so whatever your comfort level is, whatever the, you know, tiny change or the step that you can take is, or, you know, whatever you need, like, I absolutely want to direct you to the stdproject.com 
we're going to go in and explain that a little more. Um, you know, it's, there's so many resources and I will absolutely include it in the link too. So I'm not just like spilling out all these websites and everyone's trying to like hurry up and write them down. Um, amazing. So tell us about the STD project. Oh, and let me quick, just like one little side note about these stupid photos online. Like they are not, (laughs) yes, you can Google the worst pictures of maimed genitalia and it scares (laughs) the the living lights out of everyone naturally. Right. Mm -hmm. And, but these are, these are the very worst case scenarios with people who are immunocompromised, oftentimes in third world world countries without access to healthcare, without equitable resources, without, um, who naturally have other things going on. There's, there's a, a host of other reasons why these, I mean, yes, sometimes it could get really, really awful, but it's in such rare instances. The majority of people don't even have symptoms at all. And if you mm-hmm. compare it, like perspective is always is always so important here because the worst case scenario of the flu is death. Like literally, I mean, people die from the flu every year. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, we, we think of like when, when a friend of ours says, Oh, I have the flu. You're like, Oh, that's too bad. I hope you feel better soon. Like lots of liquids and lots of rest and Netflix and stuff. Good for you. You know, you're not that worried. But as soon as you tell someone you have herpes, people are like, Oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. You know? And Mm -hmm. you're like, no, it's really, you should have the same reaction as like, okay, lots of rest and take yeah, care of yourself take good and care. whatever you need. And yeah, absolutely. How can I help? And if there's anything, you need some chicken soup while you have an outbreak, like what, what can I do? I mean, right. it should be kind of more simple and I get it. Nobody wants any of these things. I don't want a cold or the flu. I don't want any other issue mm-hmm. whatsoever, but they mm-hmm. just happen. So Anyhow, yeah, I digress, but I'm like, those pictures, man. I just... know, everybody. every, oh. And I remember going to a support group in person when this doctor was just like, you know, the statistic is that three out of five people in San Diego have it, you know? And mm-hmm. it's just like, whoa, you like look at that and you're like, okay. It's like maybe one of those people know the other person had it one time, never has any symptoms, and the other doesn't have any idea. Like, you know, so it's like when you break it down like that, it's like, well, there's a lot of people. Uh, and so if you could see that there's so many people that have it, it's like if if we just shared or talked about it, you'd be like, it's no different than catching the flu. Like, you know, and that's the thing. And that's what I want to stand on. And, you know, it really pained me for many years and to then finally reclaim those parts of myself that I, you know, shamed out or like, you know, didn't think about or just excluded or shut down. Um, It it just, it's like I like sealed up all the holes and reclaimed all of my power. I was like, actually, this isn't the thing. So how can you hear you know, what we're talking about. And again, maybe it's not the exact conversation that you're having with yourself or the same situation that you're in, but hear that like, there's so much triumph available. There's so much to overcome and so much to reclaim about yourself. And, you know, honestly, it's, it was both the best and the worst gift I've ever gotten. It created this catalyst point for me to actually become the creator of my life instead of the victim to every kind of circumstance that kept happening to me. And, you know, where are you being that victim? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, the victim. I mean, and, and we can be victims at some points in times based on what happens, but how long do you want to set mm-hmm. in that? And it's That's okay to it. be like, I, I want to, you know, I always tell folks, like, if you're feeling really awful about a recent diagnosis, or even maybe if you've had it for years, and you still feel really awful about it, like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Bad feelings are not bad by themselves. Like, we can't always be 100% happy and yay, everything's right. so amazing in the world. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. So it's all right to have these, these, these emotions. And to, mm-hmm. I think it's okay. I think we should, like, definitely acknowledge them, 
that they are there, that that's how we're feeling. And then it's like, okay, how long do you want to sit in that? And is there any other way in which to view this or things and resources so that I can move forward slowly, maybe at a grueling pace, but it is possible. Like I always tell people in this, actually, I don't always tell people, but recently I've been saying this, I should say, and sometimes it's obnoxious. So I try my best it's, it's based on the audience and who I'm talking to at the time and where I think someone is at because this isn't always helpful. But herpes is actually can be very positive. Like there's an mm-hmm. awesome advocate out there, Adriel Dale. He does the herpes opportunity. And um, herpes opportunity can like can be an eye roller because when you're initially diagnosed, it absolutely does not feel like an opportunity. Mm-hmm. But where he's going no. with it and where I'm going with this conversation is that the thing is, is a lot of people will be will ask me like, well, wouldn't you prefer to be to have not herpes at all, to not have it? And I'm like, well, yeah, if I could, if I could take some med or something and get rid of it, and because I'm a person who gets active outbreaks, mm. so if I could not get active outbreaks and not have to be on Valtrex suppressive therapy, like, sure, I would love to not have to take a prescription every day and or deal with more recurrent outbreaks that are longer in duration and, and stronger in severity. Either way but I'm not going to compromise anything else. So if there's a bunch of side effects or risks involved, Mm -hmm. I'll just keep my herpes. And the other part of it is what I've learned through having it as well as sharing that I have it has been, I couldn't, I would not replace that for the whole world. Like again, it wouldn't, I wouldn't have chosen it, you know, and I I understand Mm -hmm. that nobody chooses it, but it's like, we, we grow from every good mm-hmm. and bad experience mm-hmm. and, and we become more empathetic and more inclusive and thoughtful and just better mm-hmm. humans, at least we hope so. And so that's what like, I hope the outcome is for people. It's like, wow, that changes. Most people I hear, it's people say like, it makes me feel like, it, it makes me relate to people better. It's helped me to realize that everybody goes through something that has shame involved and mm-hmm. has struggles. And, you know, it's like you just are able to interact, I think, with people from a little bit more of a holistic perspective. And that's awesome. I mean, why would we want to take that growth back? And a lot of people, too, say, like, well, I just want my sex life to be where it was before. And I'm like, you can still have whatever kind of sex you were having right. before. Mm-hmm. with whomever and what with whatever like ways in which you were doing it but naturally we can't take away the fact that this experience is going to pepper and add some additional perspective to right. how we approach new relationships and is that all bad i don't think so you know right. i can't take it as all horrible even though mm-hmm. it feels horrible and for me it was years before i like got to this point because there wasn't a lot of resources right. and you know a lot of things of social media has changed in that time period it's 20 years like i'm, I'm 36 years old but um, I think it's going to be easier for folks nowadays, too, who are getting diagnosed to not have to spend so much time in this like hobble of a place. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I love I love that, too. Like, I love the, um, you know, like there's so many resources, you know, to get out there and kind of I think education is key. I think the more that you can educate people and be in conversation, the more that you, you know, your confidence in being educated reassures and creates safety with you know the people in conversation and the one thing I want to like kind of oh man just like underscore which is so valuable it's I find in this in this way you know which could be a whole nother podcast in its own way is that we're so trained to believe that like sex is the deepest and most intimate thing or the deepest kind of connection that you can actually have and I've spent you know a lot of years challenging that and growing that and what I found is that when I show up unapologetic 
and authentic and raw. And it's just like, I show my ugly, like, here's what I'm fighting. Here's the, you know, dark shadows in my closet. You know, I've got herpes. It's like, it gives people permission to go to that depth of themselves and to bring up what they're fighting or what they're working through and what, you know, haunts them. And that type of connection, like cannot be replaced. Like it is, I, and it's not, you know, I'm not saying sex, sex is better or worse. It's just saying like, it's, it adds the depth of being able to connect to someone and that you realize it doesn't actually just only have to be sexual and like what's available if we actually did open up to another person in an intimate way and have this kind of vulnerable share. And, you know, you set the standard or this tone for a new relationship. It doesn't even need to be sexual and maybe it can be right. Like, but so I just want to like add that and like throw that in and just kind of see like, you know, if you did share with a friend or have that conversation you've been meaning to have, like, that there's so much that you can access at that point if you just choose to like try, you know, and, and activate some courage to just go there. People follow and it's just like they eat it up because it's everybody wants to feel that kind of being seen. Mm-hmm. Everyone wants to feel accepted and, mm-hmm. and then, and that, and that they are, they are normal and mm-hmm. you know, that we, we're all linked. I mean that, that connection, that mm-hmm. human bonding, is an intimacy is the word that as you were saying that I just kept thinking like I hate the idea that you have to be sexually intimate with mm-hmm. someone in order to have depth in mm-hmm. a, a, a um, what's the word I'm looking for an amazing relationship for lack of a better word with someone and that's truly a deep and genuine relationship I don't think there actually has to be physical intimacy necessarily mm-hmm. whatsoever but it but what we're talking about is a little bit of authenticity and intimacy in the relationship exchange and what is being offered and um, I mean because you can have massively deep and meaningful and impactful relationships with your familiar familial relationships with your family mm-hmm. with your friends I mean to think that you just have to have sex with someone in order to I hate that idea I mean yeah. I love sex and yay for sex and mm-hmm. if you want to go there with someone then absolutely you know as long as it's consensual do whatever you feel like doing but right. um, it doesn't necessarily and and then that's also there's, there's the disabled community and the asexual community and what a disservice to them by assuming that you have to have a sexually intimate mm-hmm. relationship in order to have, mm-hmm. um, in order to have meaningful relationships because sex is different for all different people. Mm-hmm. Intimacy is different for all people and the mm-hmm. value that you gain from those relationships and experiences, like only those individuals get to decide yeah. how meaningful and impactful those relationships are. So yeah. So sans all that judgment. I mean, yeah, we are both echoing one another's sentiments, uh-huh. but it's just like, oh, it, it, it like baffles me that we, we, there's, everybody has an opinion or at least many, 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 many people do. And what I'm trying to change and alter a little bit with this conversation, I think you are too, mm-hmm. is that everyone has this opinion on what kind of sex you're supposed to be having with whom and how often right. and where and it's like none of that makes a difference because it's like if it's not you in that relationship, in that intimate relationship, it's none of your beeswax. Then who like cares? It's just yeah. Yes. I don't know mm-hmm. why we're so obsessed with this. And I think if I had to guess and if I had to just conjecture out loud about why I think we're all so obsessed with what everyone else is doing is because we also we we feel so very repressed and shameful yeah, about and wish this that stuff. we could mm-hmm. yes and mm-hmm. so I had just yesterday literally I had a conversation and somebody asked me you know why do you think that so many people like I, I was sharing with her the gal I was talking to I said that actually I experienced the most shame and stigma 
um, and kind of hate from people who have STIs. So mm. I rarely, even in the last seven years, even though I've had some negative stuff come at me, I don't get attacked very often. Mm. But the people whom I get attacked from now, and even when I first launched the STD project, were people that I know have experience with STIs because they were like close friends and family and things like that, who had shared an experience with me at some point in time or another. And what in, in the gal who I was talking to was like, why do you think that is? Why would somebody within your own community with a, with a shared experience shame you? And I said, the simple answer is because we are taught to feel shameful about things. And then when you meet someone who isn't shameful about something that you are shameful about, you are like, you either are excited and that helps move you past your shame or you're jealous of them because right. you are in this awful place and you want everyone else to be in there too. Misery loves company. And so you don't want anyone else to be handling it in a different way. You don't mm -hmm. want anyone else to feel empowered and excited and in, in, their, in their own self because you're not there yet and you don't know how to get there. You can't mm -hmm. see a possibility of getting there. So you're like, you know, how dare they show me a different way to view this? I mean, it's just that emission pushback. And I'm like, man, if we could all just set that aside, right. we would find our humanity and our empathy our like how we can relate to one another. Cause even if it's not an STI, everyone feels some sort of shame, whether it's right. about our educational yep. level, our background, our religion, um, you know, our, our, how much money we make. I mean, people feel shame in all of these different facets and it's just so silly. Like it just, mm -hmm. it serves no practical value. It's just a societal structure construct that is just not helpful whatsoever. Yeah. And it's like, I'm like, let's bulk all these bullcrap rules. Exactly. Know? And I love that so much. And, you know, again, if you're listening and this isn't your, you know, context per se, or, you know, the content that you're working with, it's like, you know, I keep thinking of a good friend of mine who, you know, had a, a large increase in pay and then all of a sudden it was like this imposter syndrome just kept creeping in where she just was filled with self-doubt and shame that she was an imposter and and it's like you know in her sharing that it's like oh wow oh so that's what that voice is sometimes for me like who am I to say these things what am I you know and where's my credibility and it's mm -hmm. like if we all just like lived out loud and like shared like the depth of it right not just like complaining to complain but the like whoa at my very core I feel like an imposter you know it's just like you can educate people on like oh what does that mean and then they're like whoa me too right and mm -hmm. it's like you know it's the shame of because you're a woman in a high earning position and you're out there making a difference and that's not usual right and I just want to like man 2019 is coming around the corner you know how have you been living life this year how have you been living life thus far you know how can you step forward in a direction that scares you and you know not just like completely jump in and be like I'm going to tell everyone tomorrow that I have you know whatever mm -hmm. it is it's like you know what's that little tiny tangible thing you feel comfortable doing having the friend conversation with one friend you know um, this year for me it's like I've told enough friends I've talked to enough people it was like having that conversation with my dad like my dad was the person where I was like I need to be his perfect daughter and if you know this is going to be the thing this is the thing that takes the cake it's I'm going to be gone and broken and he's not going to see me right and he just was like yeah so what who cares and you know it was just like so like oh I've sat on this for so many years in fear of mm -hmm. like letting you down and you don't even care like wow okay 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 all right all right got it yeah so cool like you know like who are you afraid of you know being shamed by and how can you mm -hmm. just face that and do it anyways and see like the magic that's available right like the very thing that I thought was gonna break me and my father apart you know is the very thing that like brought us closer because I got to feel like 
whoa, he's not going to reject me. And this is the worst thing I feel like I could ever bring up. Um, so and cool. A good point too, I think is like, it's probably not with your father in particular in this scenario, but a couple of years back, I had, I, even after doing this for seven years, about two years ago, I kind of stopped doing everything, all my active work. And I was in this kind of, I was, I was a little bit depressed. I was, I was scared about the possible ramifications because of, um, my husband's extended family, just his children, his ex-wife and, um, his stepmother-in-law and father. And, so I stopped doing a lot of my advocacy work because I really was worried about the negative things that they would say. There were already some, some things being said about the work I was doing and it was being nitpicked. Um, but I was just worried about trying new things going forward, relaunching the podcast, my mm -hmm. YouTube channel, some of the things that I had wanted to do for a while, but I kind of needed that kind of ballsy, I'm not going to worry about what other people say, think like mental mentality. And mm -hmm. I didn't have it because I was very much, um, absorbed with how is this, how are they going to attack what I'm doing mm -hmm. next essentially? So I stopped doing that work. And what I realized later, is like, that's exactly what their intention was, right. you know? So some people, some people are doing it from a place of ignorance or from, from a place mm -hmm. of, um, and ignorance isn't as different than stupidity. Stupidity, ignorance just means a lack of understanding yep. and information, not that they can't access access it and that their opinion might change eventually. So I feel like with your father, um, it was just truly from a lack of information and perspective. Mm -hmm. And then later his opinion changed and you didn't realize it and you didn't realize the relationship had gotten or the dynamic might have been different and that he didn't actually care as much as it was impacting you. But sometimes people are truly doing it from a, they don't want to see you succeed or try something new and, and actually grow as an individual. They want to see you stagnant and or failing. And, and unfortunately there are a lot of people out there that are like that because they themselves are hurting inside and yeah, they themselves are exactly. scared. And totally. exactly. So Ugh. I finally, this last year decided, you know what, F all of that. I no longer give any Fs because um, because I can't, because, because then that means that I can't continue doing the work. I can't keep helping people and they win. And I don't want that to happen because I feel very much like the work that I'm doing is necessary and helpful. And even if everybody in the whole wide world, 100% of people don't agree with that, it's okay because there's still a large percentage that I'm helping. And even if I just right. help one person every year, Absolutely. it's valuable and worthwhile. Yeah. And so I don't even need it to be a giant percentage or the majority or whatever, mm. who cares, you know? And so I've finally just said to heck with all of it. I'm going to do me. I'm going to feel good about what I'm doing. I'm going to learn everything I do. Isn't going to be perfect because I'm starting some new things or relaunching new things. And so, yeah, there's still going to be, you know, you'll be able to nitpick things and go, right. go for it, you know, because I, the more I do it, the better I'll get. And then I just don't care anymore. So, but it, I mean, that's not easy to do because I truly was for about two years in this kind of place of, I didn't want to move forward. I didn't know what to do. I was very much absorbed and concerned mm -hmm. about those negative reactions. And it did, it usurped my life for a little while. And that was even after having done all this work and having gotten awards and having had these accolades and all of that. And so it's like, we all can be there. I mean, you know, it's, it's like a, we always see on social media, everybody's wins and successes. Mm -hmm. And so it seems like the straight linear path up in a positive direction, but like really truly our paths have these giant dips and we don't always share all of those losses. Right. And I'm trying a little bit to be more transparent about when I realize that, oh, I just totally bombed something, right. you know, just, just to kind of air it and put mm -hmm. it out there. Like even what I'm doing isn't always perfect and it's okay to say like, yep, that sucked. <laughs> and 
I mm -hmm. failed at that today, but tomorrow I'm going to wake up and try it again or try something different instead. I mean, you know, if you look at entrepreneurs and all these business owners and stuff like that, these people who have like, not that a billion dollars is what's going to make someone happy or feel good, but it's like these billionaires who have these successful businesses and multiple business centers and stuff like that they tell you how they did all these different things that totally didn't work, you know, and how they were in awful places or how they truly like went bankrupt. You know, a lot of business owners went bankrupt once or twice before they even got to where they're at. So it's like, we just don't know about it or see it. And with social media, it can both be like a, it can be a blessing and, and a, um, and a burden all at the same time, because we're constantly comparing and seeing what our peers are doing. And I think we get wrapped up in that too much. And I just want people to do that, like do whatever timeline right. fits right. them, you know, nobody's Absolutely. timeline is yours kind of thing. And, and yeah, like I want to, oh man, so many good gems that I like want to underscore. And what you said, it's like, you know, if you're using Facebook as your only modality, just know, or Instagram or whatever it is, people only post the highlights, right? And, mm -hmm. you know, I, we've talked to, talked about so many resources, positive singles as a dating app, right? Like you can go on there and find other people practice dating. If you've shut yourself off to that, you know, practice hearing other people's stories or just getting to know them. There's private Facebook groups where people are just trying to like, you know, find other people in their neighborhood they can be friends with, go out with and hang out with, right? Like there's, you know, obviously the STD project, you can find, you know, opportunities to hear stories of people telling their, you know, journey. Um, you can get all sorts of educational points, right? Like there's, I just had this conversation last night that I just posted. It's like, we're, we feel we're so limited by like opportunity because we don't know the people that are doing what we want to do, like go out and find them. Right. Mm -hmm. Like if none of your friends are entrepreneurs and you want to be an entrepreneur, go find an entrepreneur group. Right. Like if all of your friends and you are not at the weight that you want to be at and no one's willing to join the gym with you, like go find a meetup that has women that want to get, you know, healthy. Right. Like it's like I just like want to call you forth, like whatever that silly, crazy, small, big you know, thing is that you're not doing that you haven't done or that you don't know people like go out and create it. And mm -hmm. if it's well, not there, create uh, it. And if, and if you're not sure, find it. And if you see mm -hmm. that other people are doing something similar already, that doesn't mean you can't keep doing it because your right. voice is still important. Mm -hmm. You know, like actually mm -hmm. it's so funny that you say this because this is exactly how we connected the other, yeah. in yep. the last couple of mm -hmm. months, like I've recently been doing this I hate the I hate the whole lean in move. I don't hate the movement, but there's been a lot of like recent talk about how that's not always productive for everyone. Right. We can't all lean in and push, push, push. You know, I mean, that's mm -hmm. actually we shouldn't push, push, push. If somebody says no, stop leaning in, basically. <laughs> but the idea is at its core, the idea was to put yourself out there and don't mm -hmm. be afraid to ask and stuff like that. And for years, I would not friend request somebody I didn't know yep. personally. I wouldn't add them on mm -hmm. a social media. I have literally just been adding people who have mutual connections. And I've gotten a couple of folks, I admittedly, I've gotten a couple of folks who said, how do we know each other? Why did you add me? And then I've had a couple of folks who said, well, I don't add anyone I don't know, or you're just collecting friends or something like that. But it's, it's literally how Clarice and I met. Mm -hmm. I added you on Facebook yep. and mm -hmm. you're like, Oh, like I had heard about you or seen you somewhere or something, you know, like, and then the relationships begin. And so I've met a bunch of people in the last two or three months since I've, it's, maybe mm -hmm. I've been doing it for a little bit longer than that, but my, my network has expanded. 
what's cool is I've met all these people who are doing similar work or in, yep. the, in the same realm and I'm mm -hmm. learning from them. So I feel like I'm growing educationally. And then they've asked me to do things like this, like a podcast or whatever. And so I'm contributing back or offering, you know, my time and energy in that way. And so I feel like it's mutually beneficial and there's going to be people I, I, on my friending or pending friend requests. I probably have like 200 pending friend requests. Oh my right gosh. Now. So awesome. Literally. So, so people who are like not sure or haven't accepted or just are not going to accept. And I'm like, whatever. I mean, especially online, the no's are a little easier to take because you're not in person and yeah. you're not cool. even like looking Thanks. someone face to face, you know? <laughs> mm -hmm. So how bad is that? On, in, on LinkedIn, same deal. Right now on LinkedIn, I have 5,000 business connections wow. that I can tap into at any point in time. And those are all just people, literally people from like Time Magazine, you know, like big, big named places and publications and media outlets and stuff like that, who I've been slowly reaching out to, to pitch new ideas to and whatever. And it's like a lot of, I wouldn't have a few years back. I wouldn't have even reached out. I wouldn't have even pushed the right. connect button because mm -hmm. of the fear of the no, the fear of rejection, but really what does the rejection do? I mean, how does it even hurt us? It doesn't, it doesn't do, it's just a no when you're going to get so many other yeses. So that's the right. same idea to come full circle. Like bring it back a little bit to the herpes and STIs and stuff like that. Same applies in terms of disclosing to a new partner and putting yourself out there back in the dating realm again. Like most of the times we get rejected, especially in dating, and we don't get to know why. Nobody ever, you just get ghosted. Mm -hmm. And nobody tells you like, oh, it was because you weren't good in bed or you didn't make enough money or you had a weird habit that I couldn't handle and that was a that was a stop for me and a red flag. I mean, we don't usually know. We just don't end up hearing from this person again and the dates just go sour. We just, whatever, don't hear back. So it's like at least with the herpes stuff and with disclosing an STI status, most of the time people are going to say, you know, I appreciate you disclosing, but it, I'm, I'm going to have to take some time to think about it, or mm -hmm. I'm not sure if I'm ready to accept that risk at this time. And it really has nothing to do with who you are. It's just where their knowledge is and where they're perceiving the relationship and progressing and what they expect or want from the relationship. Also, all those things play into a part, but you don't get as many rejections as you might assume. I mean, it's the vast majority of people will tell you that they get a lot more yeses mm -hmm. than they do no's, even the people who have experienced a no. So it's not as scary. I mean, it is scary. It doesn't ever take the fear away because none of us want to be rejected for any reason. Right. I mean, it's still always scary when I send some of these requests out. And if I get a message back, like of somebody being like, why did you send a message to me? And then I always have to like pause. And then I write a message back of like, hey, I'm, I'm cultivating and changing my online presence and I'm adding people who have who are in align with me in some way shape or form and so I thought that your work I may it may add value in, in some way maybe vice versa or right. you know whatever so I say it in some sort of way but um but that's rare a lot of times it's just a yes and I get a new friend and then I learn from them and see their posts and learn who they are I mean it's pretty cool like <laughs> but I wouldn't have I wouldn't have been able to tell you that or even say that or encourage that and be as positive about it a couple of years ago so we're all on a journey and it's a process and I don't expect everybody to be in the place that we are right now. You right. Know? Absolutely. And it takes time and it definitely takes, um, perseverance, I feel like too. And, you know, and you, and you can change the conversation about rejection to like worth, right? Like, it's like, did you, did I have worth before contracting herpes? Probably not. Did that plummet mine even more? A thousand percent. Right. And then did I get to construct it from the rubbles of like nothingness? Amazing. Right. And so it's like, you know, if you make those rejections about you personally, like notice how it's like you're making it mean that you're not worth it or you weren't worth them or worth love or worth 
talking to her, right? So it's like, how can you actually remind yourself in that moment? It's not about an external anything. It's like worth is found internally. You generate it, you create it. And like, how can you just give it to yourself in that moment? And Mm -hmm. that's, that's amazing. So awesome. So the STD project, I like, it's amazing. Go check it out. The stdproject.com. It's a multi-award winning independent website. It's a progressive movement eradicating STD stigma by facilitating and encouraging awareness, education and acceptance through storytelling and resource recommendation. Janelle is taking steps towards modern day sexual health and prevention by advocating for conscientious and informed decisions. The STD project posts interviews with and the stories of those who have sexually transmitted infections or diseases, as well of as a plethora of news and resources related to STI and STDs. So check it out. If you want to get educated, if you know a friend, share it make it happen, have a conversation, you know, whatever you can do, like any little bit helps. Talking is what breaks the stigma. And I'm so grateful you're creating the hands movement or co-facilitating. It's great. This is, we're in this era where it's like, we're not taking the same old thing anymore. So Mm -hmm. welcome 2019. And, you know, whatever way you feel called to do that thing, you know, you've, you've got your own flavor of it. Your journey can be its own, um, you know, type of it. Maybe it's that you want to talk about and break the stigma of body shame. Like go do that. Like, Mm -hmm. it's like if you were dealt this card to be a spokeswoman or a, be a beacon of hope in a small or large capacity, like 2019 is calling. Like this is your time to get out there, get up and do it. We have like one minute left What's the like one thing that you wish more people knew, wish more people were told or could hear um, that you want to give with our listeners in this moment? Um, I think fake it till you make it. Sometimes I hate the cliches, but like you don't have to feel 100% amazing and confident going forth and trying new things. You know, one of the things that my husband said when he first met me and on our first date was that as I walked across the street to meet him, he was, we, he was standing outside a street corner and um, he said that you were just so confident and you had this smile on your face. And looking back, I really wasn't all that confident. Like there were things that I was still insecure about doing mm-hmm. this work and I was in a place of transition and whatever. So it's almost like you put that on, you put some intention forth and then you just try it. And some days you can feel crappy and you can sit in mm-hmm. Netflix in your PJs and not shower like I do on a regular. And then the next day you get up and go for a run and try something new and go Mm -hmm. at it and attack the world. So, I mean, all of those things can fit into one person, into one life. So do it. And and I encourage you and support all of that. Yes. I love it. That's so profound. And thank you so much listener for listening, for being witness to our stories, for, you know, being open to the possibility that maybe this is five years down the line, four months down the line. Maybe you're not even in the place where it feels achievable, but how can you take on reaching out and finding people, being a part of groups, you know, not feeling like you have to reinvent the wheel, but just like, you know, stepping one pinky toe out of your comfort zone and having 2019 go completely different. Um, I want to, I want to challenge you, you know, if your intention is to just, uh, try something new this year, I think that that's easy and achievable and an absolute great way to approach a new year's resolution 
and you have the world to be your accountability buddy. So reach out and make a friend and get somebody to be and help hold you accountable. Thank you so much, Janelle, for joining us. You are such a goddess, a powerhouse, such an inspiration. And I'm so grateful that you tapped into your wisdom and are standing up and standing on top of your story for others to see and hear the possibility that they might not have seen possible. 